Thank you for joining us today for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud begins a brand new series entitled The Book of James. This is session three. Good morning again. We're going to pick up this morning in James chapter one, verse 19. And uh, we're going to read a little bit. Well, we'll probably read it all. It just has 19 through 27. So we're going to make our way through that. Um, it begins as follows, or reads as follows. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And we're going to stop right there for just a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about uh, this week in this portion of chapter one, the danger of self-deception. Now, deception is a tricky one, right? Because it is, if you, if you can convince somebody or if you can share the truth with somebody, um, we can receive deliverance when, when we receive the truth of, of the word of God. But when you have been deceived, then especially if you are deceiving yourself, it is difficult for me to give you truth uh, if you are holding on to deception. And it can be a very powerful thing and something you have to overcome first before, you know, you know we say that there is life in the word and there is, but we have to get to the point where we're able to receive that word. Uh, if you're in a position where you're not able to receive it, then me preaching to you or teaching to you all day won't help to change anything in your life until you are first at the point where you realize or where you admit that you need change. You know, like when they have the programs with the 12 steps, one of the first things you have to do, right, is admit that you have that problem. Until you admit that you have that problem, then you can't possibly, you know, hope to be healed or to be delivered from it. Uh, and that's what we have to overcome, that self-deception. Like, have you ever known somebody that had a, a problem? I've known people that had addictions, and everybody knew they had addictions except themselves. And they would say, I don't have a problem. Amen. You know, what's the, the most famous line? I can stop anytime I want to, right? So we're going to look at this morning how dangerous that can be because somebody else lying to us is one thing, but when we become comfortable with lying to ourselves, there's no hope for change if you can't be honest with you. Now, if Elder Ware has told me something and it's untrue, if she lied to me, there's still some hope for me because I may, you know, go over to Sister Norma and she can say, honey, that's just not right. I don't know why Elder Webb would have told you that, but that is just not right. And so then I'm like, oh, well, then you know, she can show me, and, and then I can learn, I can grow. But if the person that she is telling me is it, uh, Pastor Samiko, I don't know why you are telling yourself that. That is not right. <laughs> she's going to have a little bit bigger of a challenge, right? Because not only, she's going to have to overcome me. And what's going to be difficult is that I am with me a lot more than Sister Norm is with me. So I, you know, have more of an opportunity to tell myself the wrong information than she has to share with me the right information. Amen. So we're going to look at that. Um, now, verse 19, I just love verse 19, probably because I need to do it more. We're going to learn what we need to learn is that we need to be swift to 
to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, I, I heard one uh, person put it this way. God gave us one mouth that closes and two ears that don't. So we should spend a lot more time listening than we do speaking. Can you think of any instances in your life where if you had followed that wisdom, you would have been in not as much trouble? I can think of plenty of opportunities where if you had just waited one more second and held your tongue, things would have gone a lot better. And so that is wisdom that the Word of God is giving us this morning. Um, now, you remember last week we talked about trials and we talked about uh, temptations, that we're going to go through things because our faith needs to be tested. That's the only way you can tell if something's going to be durable is if it can survive uh, some tests. And I would rather find that out here uh, than on down the road, right? Uh, for instance, we're, we're about to go out of town, so we took our car, uh, well, Pastor Out took our car, took him all day. God bless that man. He took it to the dealership to be tested so they could make sure that it would uphold on the road because we'd rather him, I know he would rather have spent that day doing that um, in Douglasville rather than we be on our way to Virginia and have to call y'all and say, well, you know what? This car is not making it. Uh, we're going to need a little help. So we need to, our, our faith does need to go through some things so that when, we, uh, when, when other bigger things come along, um, we know that we will stand. And it's easy to say that, that we believe in something, that we believe in God and that we love him and serve him wholeheartedly when things are going well. Uh, we, the true test of whether or not you believe in God is when we're out there and there's nothing else or no one else we can't fix it when you're in a, a place in your life where you can't fix the problem and you have to depend on him. And so our faith goes through some things like that, not to be confused with temptation, uh, which is an opportunity to sin is what temptation is. Uh, it's an invitation, if you will, to do something that's wrong. And we usually get those invitations when we're in the middle of a test or a trial because those are difficult times. Uh, because if, you know, if temptation to do wrong if somebody, you know, put a hundred dollar bill and left it right next to you and walked away or they had a, we were watching this movie and this lady uh, had a pocketbook, you know, with an envelope, you know, how they show the envelopes bulging with money. I've never actually seen anybody with an envelope bulging, you know, with money like that. But she had one of those, you know, wrapped up in the rubber band and she had it in her purse and she was at the bar talking to this guy. And of course he mentions that he needs, you know, $10,000. She so happens to have $10,000. You ever, you know, just a, you know, that kind of thing happens. And so she leaves and she goes, oh, wait, I need to go. She needs to go do something. So she leaves her purse open with the bulging envelope right there on the bar next to this guy that she doesn't know who just happens to need the same amount of money that she has. Uh, that, folks, is temptation. He was in the middle of a trial, a difficult situation. He needed a problem fixed. The only person that could fix it would only do it for $10,000 that he didn't have. And here comes somebody conveniently with that amount of money in cash just sitting right there and they walk away. So what do we think he did? Oh, he failed that test. He took that <laughs> money and ran. Now, would it have been temptation if it had been same sort of scenario, somebody sitting there, you're sitting at a bar, you don't, I mean, you're rich, you're wealthy, you've got all that you need, no lack, whatever, and somebody sits and leaves their purse there with 
uh, in an envelope in cash and walks away. Would that have been temptation? No, because you wouldn't have been in that difficult situation. He were, you would now not, not have been in the middle of a test, and so there would have been no invitation for you to send because you're like, why would I you know, go through taking this? You know, then you can clearly see the consequences uh, because I have money, I don't need this, it's just gonna be trouble. But when we're in the middle of it, we don't see the consequences as easily or as readily. We uh, allow ourselves to be deceived. He figured, I can get this money and get away uh, before anybody sees me or catches me or anything. Now, he was wrong, of course, but, you know, as we often are when we fall to temptation, we get caught. We just do. Just trust it. Whatever you've done and however the dark the room was, however across town, somebody is going to see. And it'll be, and it may even be somebody that you don't even know, but rest assured at some point in the future, you're going to be somewhere probably up sharing at a Bible study and that person's going to be like, hey, I remember you. <laughs> because that's how life is. That's how it happens. All right. But here we want to remember to be uh, quick to hear and slow to speak. Now, this is an acrostic when we get ready to speak, if we would stop and think. And this helps us remember what we need to do. First of all, is what we're going to say truthful? Not, I heard, or I believe this is what was said. Because sometimes we can, we can spread rumors like it's the, the God-given truth, can't we? Somebody told us something we know was questionable, but it sounds juicy. And so we go and tell somebody else, and you know, we'll put disclaimers. You know, I wasn't there, they didn't tell me, but I heard that I don't know how much truth is to it, but this is what I heard. You know, I don't know, I wasn't there. And, and like, we think that's gonna make it any, you know, any better. The fact of the matter is, if you don't know the information is truthful, just don't say it. There's no point in spreading it. If you weren't there and it wasn't said to you and you didn't witness it, just leave it alone. Or is it truthful? Um, is it, what was the age for? Ah, is it helpful? All right, is it helpful? Is it going to add to that person for you to come and let them know something? I mean, it, some things, they're not at all helpful to the situation. If we're in the middle of a conversation and we're talking about the sky being blue, uh, is it helpful for you to tell me that across town there's a dark cloud over so-and-so's house because they're wrapped up in sin? I mean, it, it's not at all helpful to the conversation at hand, right? You're just pretty much trying to get something started, right? So then we can, you know how you sometimes, and I know we're all guilty of it, we have some juicy information that we want to share. It doesn't have anything to do with the conversation going on, but we'll just say, you know, put something out there so we can lead the conversation to where we already want to go. So ask ourselves, is what I'm going to say helpful? Is it true? Is, is it helpful? Is it something that they need to know? Okay, is it important? There are some things that really just don't even need to be said. Not necessary. Now, I know I've shared this with you all before, but one of my little pet peeve things is weight. And I have had issues in the past with my family, bless their hearts. But, you know, their conversation started to me would be, how much more weight do you plan to gain? 
I don't know. I really haven't given it any thought. I didn't think I would be this size, but here I am. Who knows at current rates if we don't get rid of those blasted chocolate chip cookies at the food bank, how far it will go. <laughs> I just don't know at this point. But is that important? Is that important to ask me that question? You think I don't know that the size eight pants I used to wear don't fit anymore? Think I don't see myself in the mirror when I walk by? Is it really? That, that's not helpful or important, is it? Some things don't need to be said. If you, I mean, like, case another point, a pair of black pants. If I wear them every other Sunday, I, do you have to say, are you really wearing those pants again this week? <laughs> Is it, is it at all important to life? It's not. It don't even have to be said. Another thing that we have to think about when we're speaking, uh, not only is what we're saying important, is it important to say it now? That is a very, very tricky one. And I'm just going to tell you, when I'm tired and I just want to go home and go to bed, what happened last week, or how much money is in the checking account, or a phone call to want to know about food bank bills, not important right then. I just want to go to bed. Do I care at that point how much money is in the bank? There's nothing we can do about it right now. That can wait till tomorrow. You know, or, or telling me that, you know, you, have, that you did this wrong, or you did this one. Whatever, at that point in time, and especially wives, we have to be considerate of this. If your husband has been out and he's worked all day and he's dog tired, you can see it on his face. And he comes dragging in. Important to say, hon, you didn't put your dirty clothes in the hamper again. They were under the bed. I had to dig them out. Necessary, important at that point. You didn't carry the garbage out, or something, something here, or that something in the car that's still important right then? No. So before we speak, let's think about these things, right? Is it truthful? Is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? Now that's a little bit different from important because important, you know, maybe not, has to do a little bit more with the timing. Um, is it necessary? If you don't like what your neighbor is wearing, is it necessary for you to say, that's the ugliest dress I have ever seen? No. If they ask you your opinion, you know, if they say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, maybe say, your hair goes nicely with it. You know? <laughs> or that I don't think it could have fit anyone the way it fit you. I mean, you can say something nice, but is it necessary to say, I can't believe that you walked out of the house with that. Is your mirror not working? <laughs> Be mindful of what we're saying. And last but not least, is it kind? You know, are we, am I just being ugly when I say that? You know, am I just striking out at you because I already have my other in, uh, insecurities, okay? Be quick to hear, but slow to speak. And while you're waiting to speak, think about what it is you're going to say, and maybe not say anything at all. Sometimes, 
And I don't know why we feel this to be a challenge, but sometimes we think quiet is the enemy. <laughs> and you, have you ever, I know I've done it. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Y'all probably aren't, but I'm guilty of it. You ever been, you know, in a room with, you know, or you're at a, a something, a function, and you're sitting with people, and nobody's saying anything, and you figure, well, somebody needs to say something. It's just too quiet. And that's usually when you're going to get in trouble, right? Because you're just going to start thinking of things to say, and then you're going to end up somewhere you didn't need <laughs> to be when maybe we just enjoy each other's company. If there's nothing to be said, don't force it. We just sit here and enjoy the silence together and just look around the room. Silences don't have to be awkward if we don't make them awkward. So let's not just fill up the atmosphere with words just because we think something needs to be said. Okay, for the, oh, and slow to wrath, anger. That's what wrath is. Now, some people have a short temper, quick fuse, you know, however you want to call it. And some people are very proud of their quick temper because they'll tell you, don't mess with me, you know, I got a short fuse. <laughs> then maybe you won't fix that. Attach some fuse to your fuse. <laughs> but we want to be slow to wrath. Why? Because the anger, man's anger, that doesn't help to fulfill in us the righteousness that God desires. When we lash out at people for any little bitty thing, uh, when we just get upset and fall off the handle, um, you know, have you, you've been, have you ever witnessed somebody just the slightest little thing and they just go crazy? And I'm thinking, well, okay then. What does that accomplish? Nothing. It doesn't help us look or be the godly people that God has called us to be. So we want to be slow uh, to anger. Sometimes, too, when we're reading the Word of God, people will get angry with God. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been angry with God. There's some things that went, you know, some ways that I didn't think should have went that way. You know, because, like, I know what's best. (laughs) But, (laughs) frankly, I didn't like the way it affected me. And I thought God should know that. I don't know why I thought he should know that. But I was angry with God. And we should not be angry with God. The only thing we should be angry with is sin. When we're angry with sin, then we won't fall prey to it. And we won't allow it to reign and rule in our lives. But we should never be angry with God because he's God. He sees further than we see. He knows what's up the road. He knows what's necessary right now. Uh, And then we definitely don't ever need to be angry with God's people uh, because They are his people just like we are. He loves them. He sacrificed for them just like he loves us and sacrificed for us. So we want to be slow to anger. Don't allow yourself to get all worked up because of what's going on. And if you are a person that's always angry or or is angered easily, there's something there. A lot of times, or usually most time, anger comes from a place of fear. And so that's something we need to think about. What is it that's going on? What am I afraid of? Why am I always lashing out like this? That gives us an opportunity to stop and check ourselves. And we need to occasionally check ourselves. Um, Verse 22. 22 through, so that's we're going to, when we're receiving the word, we're going to have to get ourselves ready to be in a position to receive. uh, So that we're not always um, putting things out there, but stopping and, and taking the word again. 
But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgets the manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. All right, so we're learning here about uh, being not only hearers of the word, uh, but also being doers of the word. When we are hearers of the word, it is good for us to hear the word. We, you know, before you can act on something, you have to have heard it. We have to also, when the word is telling us to put aside um, filthiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls, we need to have our hearts prepared for the word. Um, here, there's a lot of times where the, the heart is like likened unto a garden. You remember we've talked about before when the, the word goes forth and it fall on good ground or fall on stony ground or fall by the wayside. Um, our hearts have to be prepared to hear the word of God. And how is it prepared? Um, it's prepared by making sure that we're attentive when the word is going forth. And that's not just sitting in the room, you know, looking all around, but that we're listening um, with the intention of acting. That's different. When we're hearing something, we're intending to put it into action. Not like, because you, know, you can listen and not listen. If you, I've done that. I try so hard not to do that. But sometimes you just, y'all don't know, your eye, you can do your eyes glaze over, your mind is just somewhere else. And then somebody asks you a question, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I mean, you, you know they're talking. You hear that there is noise. You see their lips moving. But frankly, you are, I don't know where you are. Your, your mind is just gone. We can do that. We can sit in church week after week after week and be in the room where the word is going forth but not hearing it because we're not listening with the intent to act. When you're really hearing something, you're waiting because you know that there's going to be something said and I'm gonna have to put forth some motion, some momentum behind it, some action with it. So when we hear the word with the intention of doing what it says, then we are, our hearts are being prepared, our hearts being that good ground uh, that the word can get in. When we, are, when we talk about getting rid of uh, filthiness and, and evilness, that's, those are like the weeds that are in your garden. There's, there's always opportunities for us to sin. Uh, and when we have more of that in us, now I tried gardening a few times. Apparently the whole farming thing skips a few generations. I don't know. But I, so I planted, and this was some while back, and I'm, apparently gardens need a little bit more tending to than the initial planting. But my idea was I'm going to plant it, then I'll go back in a few weeks and harvest it. Now, I don't know what was supposed to go on between the planting and the harvest, but I'm just going to tell you, weeds took over. And I, I had done a really good job of getting all the weeds out. It was just ground. We got everything, pulled everything out, tilled it all up, nice ground. You know, I knew you'd till up, this, and we got good seeds, and we put them in there, and I, you know, we watered them with that miracle Grow stuff or whatever. And I went out a couple of times after that. Then after a while, there's a guy to be, you know what, pull up in the house. I'm like, well, there's the garden. 
I've already worked all day. I sure am tired. I'll get it later. And go on in the house, and then you come back out. Oh, there's something growing. I wonder if that's what I planted or if that's just the weeds coming back. I should probably go check it out. I believe I'll do that later. And then when I finally did go out, there was a whole bunch of green growing. Now, you see, I didn't have to tend to it for there to be growth. There was, some, there was a whole bunch. But the poor little plants were just choked out by the weeds, and I was trying to figure what to pull out and what not to pull out. There was not a good harvest that year. And so after that, I realized if I'm not going to do what I need to do to tend the garden, then perhaps I should just leave gardening to somebody else and buy my produce at the grocery store. Now, when we prepare our hearts for the word, it's not a one-day thing. You don't come to church on Sunday and say, I'm here, I'm ready to receive the word of God, you know, speak to me, Lord, I'm open. And then leave and not do anything the rest of the week. And then come back the next Sunday, okay, Lord, I'm here, I'm ready, um, you know, put the word in me, I'm ready. No, it's a continual process. He's putting the word in us. We're keeping the weeds out. And how do we keep the weeds out? When we're reading in the word of God, and as he says, you know, the word is like a mirror. Um, when we pick up this Bible, and not just, you know, do my few-minute devotional each day, but I'm really reading it, and I'm studying it, and I'm looking at what it says, and I'm getting this in me. It is like a mirror because it shows us who we are. It's not always pretty uh, because even my mirror in my bathroom sometimes shows me stuff that's not pretty. Now, I don't know what's wrong with the mirror because that can't possibly be me, but sometimes it shows me stuff I don't like, and then I go check another room, and that mirror shows me the same thing that I don't like. So checking, getting a a different Bible is not going to help. It's there, right? It shows us. I got several different translations. They all show me things I don't like. But the important part is that when I pick up this Bible and I read it, it shows me my heart. It doesn't show me my physical appearance like my natural mirror does, but it shows me what God looks at. He looks at my heart. And when I read this word and I see things like I should be quick to hear and slow to speak, that shows me me where I am usually quick to speak and slow to hear because I have some really good comebacks. And sometimes I just like put them out there and I know it's wrong but it was a good one. It needed to be said. They needed to know I was that smart. And then I get myself in trouble. So I see that when I look in this Bible, and, I, and there's no point in me getting angry at God. There's no point in me getting angry at James, not Billingsley, but the James that wrote the Bible. There's no point in me saying, how dare he put that in there? He just don't understand. It was a good one. It was clever. There's no point in me getting angry at that because he's just showing me me. And what I need to do is to not, what he tells me then, he he says, I know, Samiko, that you're going to look in here and you're going to see something you don't like. You're going to be tempted to put that down and turn away and forget you saw that and continue living the way you were living, letting those weeds grow up in your garden, strangling the seeds that God is trying to have grow. Because you remember we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. That has to grow in my life. And my meekness, temperance, you know, and me being kind, all of that can be strangled out by if I let the 
super flurity of naughtiness. Isn't that just King James just so beautifully put? If I let all of that evil stay in me and choke it out, uh, then that fruit won't grow to the size that it could have. We had some watermelon that grew. Now, the seeds that we got the watermelon from, you know, we bought was one at Walmart. It's about this big. The watermelon that we grew were about like that. <laughs> from those same seeds. Doggone weeds. <laughs> so it's not that there's not going to be some fruit in our lives, but it's not going to be as plentiful It's not going to be as abundant. It's not going to be as healthy as it could be. I thought I was going to have some of those big watermelons that I'd paid $6 for. But apparently whoever grew those did a little bit better job than what we had done of just tossing them in the ground. So we have to make sure that we keep those weeds out of our lives. When we look into the word of God and when we see uh, things that are in there, uh, where we fall short, things that need to be uh, taken up, things that need to be changed, we don't then need to walk away and say, not today. It's just too much work. I think I'll get to it tomorrow. Not today, because every time we say not today, it's a little bit easier, right, to just let it go little bit harder to get out there the next day, a little bit harder. Um, example, I, I tell my kids when it's time for them to clean their rooms, when they go in and it's overwhelming and it takes a whole day and then some. And I try to tell them, well, if you would get a little bit at a time, you know, put something back instead of taking out the next thing. If you try to keep a handle on it, then it won't get to be such an overwhelming task. And that is how we can, when I look into the word, if I'm studying the word of God, don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed. Just, okay, well, we're going to work on this. I see that this is something in me that needs to be fixed. Lord, help me. Give me the strength to do this. And then we tackle that thing as we're going, and we're mindful of that, and then we move on to the next thing, and then we move on to the next thing, and let of it just being, and let, instead of letting it just come at us and be so overwhelming. A couple of other things uh, before we end up this morning. Um, in um, Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. <sighs> That's hard. Because then we're, we're telling God, just search me, Lord. Show me what's there. But that's a prayer that we need to pray. Show me what's in there, and then, Lord, help me to fix it. Because we don't want to just go about acting like it's not there. We all have some icky inside. It's just, just face it. It doesn't matter how long we have been Christians. It doesn't matter how long we've been coming to church, how many different Bibles we own, how much time we spend reading them. There's going to be something on us. And this, this word acts like water, and it washes us. Like if you're out in the garden or out doing yard work. Now, I don't know how many people will be outside, and you do stuff, and you get dirty, and you come back in, and you just dust, and then you move on, and you don't ever take a bath. After a while, that will catch up with you, okay? Trust me, don't, you don't want to do that, and then somebody will have to be thinking, what's the kind way I can tell them they need to take a bath? When we go out into the world, just life, just living, 
we are going to get the world on us. We're going to get sin on us. We're going to get the consequences of that sin on us. The word of God helps us to wash that off, which is why it's so important for us to spend time in the word regularly, because it is like that water. It will cleanse us so that we can, you know, ha- get that off of us and be made new. And then, you know, we'll go back out again because we are uh, in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't want to make the mistake that Lot did. Lot first started out, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then after a while, Lot's living in Sodom. And then a little while longer, Sodom's living in Lot. And then he loses his respect, his testimony among his family, because when it's time for them to go out, his wife, instead of like, okay, we're going to go on and we're going to do what God says do, She's looking back because that's what was more important to her because it was in her when he could have had that opportunity to teach his family and to train his family. And if he had done that, um, his daughters would not have reacted the way they reacted. So we have to be careful that although we are a part of this world, that we don't allow the things that are acceptable in it to become acceptable in us. Because when they become acceptable in us, we will be like Lot. Lot was still saved, wasn't he? He wasn't destroyed in Sodom. But look at the quality of life that he led. We don't want to just be saved thinking, okay, I'm going to get into heaven, and that's it, and then have a jacked up life here on earth. <laughs> right? Because we allowed so much of the weeds to continue to grow in us. We didn't look in the mirror, or we did look in it, and then we put it down and walked away or we didn't allow the word to wash us and cleanse us. Let's not do that. It's easy to do it if we just put it aside, put it aside, but let's make it every day. Every day we're gonna say, Lord, I wanna be more like you today. Show me what's in me that needs to be taken out of me. And then help me to to allow this word to wash me, to cleanse me. Amen? Amen? Well, that's it for our Sunday school class for this morning. Thank you guys, as always, for being so attentive and for coming. We will start next week with James chapter 2. I don't know if it will take us quite as long to cover chapter 2 as it did chapter 1. I thought, you know, there's only five chapters in this book. We'll be done in no time. Apparently not. But again, take my time. I'll take my time. I like the book of James. Okay. But thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday school. And you are dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10 Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.